0: everyone and welcome back to huskies on tap a podcast for the huskies by the huskies presented to you by fatty's pub and grill and brought to you by on tap sports i'm your host brandon Suarez. you can follow me on twitter at bdon 300 you can also follow our main account at huskies on tap it's over the summer for the most part is over uh i have been slaving away at both of my jobs um it's been a wild summer but the boys are back and you know They're all on campus. They're all practicing. I haven't gotten an opportunity to get over to practice or had a chance to be at either media days, uh, whether it was the Mac media day or the NIU media day. And honestly, it's all good. Like I'm still ready to roll for the season. Uh, I haven't been out to see them since spring practice and spring practice. As you guys know, if you listen to the show, it went well. But from the social clips that I've seen, uh, from the stuff that I've seen from other reporters, all signs are pointing to another successful year here in DeKalb. We have a beautiful schedule of non-conference games, and we also have a great conference schedule as well. We bring back a lot of our starters, with the only people that we really lose on this football team being Clint Rakovich, Braden Patton, Tyrese Ritchie, Matt Farrens, uh, Zemaine March, And I know I'm going to forget somebody, but I apologize. I'm a little rusty. Oh, Lance DeVoe. Can't forget Lance. I'm sorry, Lance. Lance is a fucking legend. And, uh, for now, none of the guys have seen that opportunity there at the next level. They all had their workouts and stuff. Braden got to play uh, in the USFL with the Pittsburgh Maulers. And then Lance, uh, still waiting on his opportunity, Matt, as well as Braden. I saw Braden did just work out with the giants. One other thing too, on, on, uh, on the old class, what, what we are losing. I did see Braden got engaged. So Braden, Amanda, if you guys are listening to this, congratulations, I'll be waiting on my invite to that wedding. Uh, I don't know when it will be, but uh, congratulations to you guys. And I look forward to seeing what's next for you both, especially you, Braden. I want to see you uh, even if it's in a New York giants uniform, I'll be a giants fan. I don't care, but the season is back. The first game of the season is September 1st. We take on Eastern Illinois. Honestly, I haven't seen us play FCS but once a year, and and it's an admirable thing the way we schedule our non-conference schedule. So for the first week of the season, we play an FCS opponent in Eastern Illinois. It's a Thursday night game. The game got switched. So the game will be Thursday, September 1st, 7 o'clock here at Husky Stadium. And I think it's a perfect opportunity for – the season to really get off on the right foot. You can really throw everything you got out there on offense or defense. And, and even if you don't want to do that, I still think you have enough. If you keep it kind of vanilla to still beat an Eastern Illinois team, that is just quite possibly not on our level. Like we are, you know, for all intents and purposes, probably going to be right back in Detroit at the end of the season, but we'll get to that here later in the episode, we're going to go through the schedule, my record prediction, any bold predictions that I have here on the season. And then at the end, uh shout out to our listeners and our Twitter followers. We're also going to have a listener question session uh, towards the end of the show. So if you're here strictly for that, that's fine. We still appreciate your attendance. You're just going to have to uh, fast forward or wait until then, maybe listen to the rest of the show. We would appreciate that even more. But like I said, week one here in DeKalb, Eastern Illinois, I really don't see us having any sort of hiccup in this game. And I see our Huskies starting the season at one and zero. Going into week two, you have another group of five team that you're playing. You're playing against Tulsa on the road. You got nine days in between week one and week two. And honestly, I watch a decent amount of Tulsa last year. I watch if there's football on at any given point throughout the week. It doesn't matter what conference it is. Like it could be FCS, it could be the USFL or the XFL or whatever. If football is on the screen, I'll watch it. And I watched a decent amount of Tulsa last year, and I'm just not scared of them. Like they play tough defense, they play low scoring games. So the points will probably be hard to come by, but they don't score at a premium. They put up like 16, 17 points a game. Like they're not an offense that I'm necessarily scared of, uh, especially considering how much I think our offense is going to grow into itself this year, growing off of what they did last year. And then I think that we're going to get a better defensive unit, out of you know what we have left. I know we lost a few guys on the defensive side of the ball, but you also bring back Devin Lafayette. CJ Brown is garnishing preseason awards. Uh James Esther, I mean, I can't wait to see what this guy does at the next level. He's just built for the position. And it's always something about you know that D-lineman that wears that that solo digit number that is just scary in college football. And James Esther represents that brand very well, the the solo digit D-lineman. But After the first two weeks, we turn into the SEC. So we play against Vanderbilt at NIU. And I can say without a shred of doubt in my mind, that'll be the one game of the season. That's a home game that I'm just, I'm a spectator. I, 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 Really just want to see what the atmosphere is like that game. I can still see everything that I need to see from the stands and all that. I'll probably have a couple beers. Like, it'll be a fun time. But when you get an SEC opponent to DeKalb, one that you can beat, one that has a win total that's projected at two, they have two projected wins. And a lot of that – a lot of that, honestly, if the, for the people that are betting, I'm not going to bet that that's an awful bet, but the people that bet Vanderbilt to win over two games on a 12 game season are banking on them beating NIU. And I just honestly don't see it happening. I don't, I, I haven't seen any spreads or, or anything uh, for NIU yet this year, but I would assume like that would be as close to a pick 'em or like a, like a two point line either way. Like there's no way Vanderbilt's going to come in here and be a huge favorite against us. And I don't think no matter which way that game goes that we lose to Vanderbilt on our home turf, because if you guys remember, we played them down in Nashville a few years ago, we lost that game by a touchdown and had a chance to tie it up late. So yeah, not buying the Vandy hype, uh, but this next team, this is the toughest team on the schedule without a shred of doubt in my mind. They have a top 10 prospect at this point in the season in Will Levis, the quarterback, the mayonnaise, the, the guy who puts mayonnaise in his coffee. He also eats bananas without peeling them a real strange fellow, but the guy can sling the rock and he can really command an offense and he can also use his legs. So uh, honestly, if all I haven't given a prediction, but I got a speed in Tulsa. I got a speed in Betty. So we're three and O rolling into this game. I'm assuming Kentucky is three and O rolling into this game, this game. It may not look very appealing to people on the schedule at the moment, unless you're outside of, you know, DeKalb or unless you are in DeKalb and you know what this NIU team is capable of. But if Kentucky comes into that game, sluggish or if they have an off day it's it's going to be Georgia Tech all over again we're going to catch them slipping and i think we can beat them in lexington i'm not going to go out and say right now a month you know a month and a half in advance that that it's an automatic win but I'm also not discounting it as a loss. Like I trust coach Hammock. I trust Rocky. I trust this team, this running attack or this rushing attack and the additions that they have in the passing attack with the new tight ends that they brought in the new receivers that they brought in. It, it's going to be a fun year to watch NIU football. So after the Kentucky game, ceiling four and zero oh, non-conference basement three and one, that's point blank period. I don't see a two and two. If there's a one in three, I would say I'll buzz my head, but I already did that. So not that it will happen or that I think it will, but uh, if there's a one in three and we have a listener that's outside of our fan base, that's listening right now and wants to ridicule me or something, like you can tell me that I'll have to eat a hundred hot dogs or something like that. And I'll do it. Cause I do not see any scenario on this earth that we don't get out of that. At least three in one. So after non-conference, uh, which is the non-conference all takes place in September. So it's all during that first month we head into October and we, tra- we traveled to ball state and ball, the ball state games have been very close the last two years, two years ago, you know, we, we were in Muncie. It was the, the season that we didn't win any games. Coach Hammock really put together a great game plan. We just couldn't execute in the second half. We played a great first half of football fell apart in the third quarter and weren't able to recover essentially just ran out of time in my eyes. We probably would have been able to come back if there was a little bit more time, but that's just not how the cookie crumbles. You get 60 minutes unless it's tied. And especially when it's tied, it's always chaos and overtime, but ball state. I mean, it'll be a one possession game. It'll be a, a real white knuckler, a real teeth grinder, but I, I still got us beating ball state. And I mean, I got us beating Toledo as well. It was 2 weeks. So you travel to Ball State, you take Toledo on at home and you are all of a sudden 6-0. If no if Northern's not ranked by this time it's coming. Like week 7, week 8 if they keep if they keep an undefeated record even if, you know, there there's a one loss against Kentucky, I still think at some point during this season this team cracks the ranking. So like I said, so we'll We'll, we'll go every two games, we'll give a ceiling and a basement, but right now the ceiling halfway through the season is 6-0 and with, like, one would assume a, a program, you know, remembering victory against Kentucky. Like, that'll be a victory that we talk about for years to come if they're able to pull that off on the road against an SEC opponent, a conference that – you know, the, it's surprising that the SEC even schedules the MAC, But then you remember that, you know, Alabama's got Wofford down the stretch, like in November, just to get, you know, a, a cupcake game or a week off. So, you know, and I'm not discounting the MAC because, you know, you saw last year, Bowling Green, they won three games all year. They beat Minnesota, their Big Ten team. So any given Saturday, any given Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, especially down the stretch in this in this match and schedule. But I I got us at five and one basement six and oh ceiling halfway through the season after that play against eastern michigan play and you play them we play them on the road uh we play against ohio which is also another road game so kind of road dogs here to start off the middle of october and then after that um you go to central michigan so three games to get you through seven eight nine eastern michigan I I don't know how I feel about Eastern Michigan. I do think they play a lot, a lot tougher on the, uh, what's it called? On the gray turf. It is an interesting setup over there in Ypsilanti, Michigan, but I I just don't see them moving along as a program to the point to where they're going to be able to beat us considering how we beat them last year. So I got us beating Eastern Michigan and Ohio, tough, tough game, They lost quite a few people to the next level and they were kind of a middle of the pack team last year in the Mac. I really don't see Ohio giving us much of a struggle, but again, it's matching. It gets weird. It, you know, anything can happen here in this conference. And as many games as I'm pointing out that I do think that we're going to win, there may be a stinker along the way that we don't end up pulling off, but I don't think that week happens against Ohio. So going into the final stretch of the season, This is where it gets tough. So you have Central Michigan, you have Western Michigan, you have Miami, and you have Akron. So you go on the road – or no, you take Central Michigan on at Husky Stadium. That that is when Maction starts. That's a Wednesday night game. You play Western Michigan on the road, another Wednesday night game. And then you take on Miami back here on a Wednesday. And we actually close the season out on a Saturday against Akron. So going into – Central Michigan week. This is a tough opponent. You know, they have Daniel Richardson. They have Lou Nichols. They have a solid running game. They have a good coach in Jim McElwain. They are a well-run program in the MAC. This is a toss-up game. Luckily, we have them at home. I think that makes a difference. This is one of the games down the stretch during this season that when we're in the race to get to Detroit for the Mac championship, that we as husky fans need to show up in groves. We need to be out there, we need to be loud. We need to make it hard for that Central Michigan offense to operate on that day because first week in November, early early in the match in season, it's a Wednesday night game like it's gonna be tough, but we got to make it as loud and rowdy as we can for Central Michigan on that day so the boys can pull out a victory traveling to Western Michigan is always interesting Western Michigan you know they lost their quarterback in Caleb Ellaby so it'll be interesting to see how they're able to bounce back just on a one-year you know basis right there you know losing your quarterback last year and seeing who they have waiting in the whims this year I don't have any reports uh, out of Western Michigan camp as I don't have any insiders over there but by the time we get to that game of the season, we'll have a way better idea of what we're looking at for Western Michigan. But I still give us a better chance to win that game than to lose that game. Miami is the team that was picked to join us in the MAC championships. So we'll get to the polls after this uh, from the, from MAC Media Day. But the the media members, although I do not have a vote. They finally got the job right this year and voted us to uh, be in the MAC, and they actually or to be in the MAC championship, and they actually voted us to beat Miami of Ohio in the MAC championship. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, that is a day that I did miss. It was in Cleveland this year, so it would have been a little bit of a further drive. But like I said, I've had a ton of stuff going on this summer, and I'm just actually really relieved to get towards this part of the year where it's it's football season. This is my bread and butter. I have some news, too, that I'm going to break towards the end of the show, some personal news that uh, I'm actually really proud of and I'm really happy that I I will be able to say that I've got under my belt by the end of this season. So with that being said, we have one final game against Akron at Husky Stadium. Unless we are in a situation like we were last year where we're sitting a lot of our starters – this should be a victory. Akron is going to have an improved team, so it's not going to be like a 49-0 victory like it was a few years ago. But Akron is still a team that you expect to win against, uh, especially given the track record against them. So the final game of the season, I say this because, I mean, if I'm calling our shot and we're winning this many games, we're not not going to Detroit. I have NIU playing against Miami of Ohio as well in the Mac championship. And since I went chalk and I went, uh, basic and with what, you know, the rest of the media did, there's no shot in hell that we're going to end up playing Miami of Ohio in that game. But yes, I said, there's no shot that we're going to play them in that game, because I do think that NIU makes that game no matter what, but you still got to get there and you still got to win that game. And if you beat Miami of Ohio in the regular season, it's going to be that same scenario that we had with Kent state last year where we beat Kent state in the, or where we lost to Kent state in the regular season. And then we beat them in the game that counted more. So it's always harder to beat a team twice, but I do think no matter which way you cut it, you're going to get a team that you just beat what two weeks before or not, it'll be about a month before the Mac championships, December 3rd. So it would be three weeks in between Miami version one and then Miami, the second game potentially, if, if my predictions are to pay out or not pay out, if my predictions are to play out, but I, I really think the sky is the limit this year. There is an opportunity for this NIU team to run the table this year and go twelve and zero with an opportunity. I mean, they could win. They could literally win every game they play. Like I, I it's going to sound homerish. It's going to sound awful, but well, if it's not awful, because that would be incredible, but. If we were able to do what we did last year with such a young team, right, with a head coach in his third year, his first real season where he was able to show everyone, like, hey, this is what I'm capable of. This is the type of coach I am and the players that I can recruit to my program. It's only going to continue to get better. And I think with Coach Hammock, it's an interesting dynamic because he's an alum here. He's an alum. He played here. He was a great player here. And he started coaching his coaching career here as well. We have to hold on to him as long as we possibly can, because there's going to come a day where a Wisconsin or an Indiana or Penn State or, or one of these big, ten, Minnesota, one of these big 10 schools are going to come calling and we're simply not going to be able to compete with the paycheck. But I also think like the money doesn't matter to, well, I won't, I won't speak for him, but I, I think. For Coach Hammock right now, this is his dream job. And for him to have the program in the position that they're in, the best position they've been in in the last decade, is phenomenal work on his his behalf, on the players' behalf, and on the coaching staff's behalf as well. And like I said a little bit ago, it's going to be a very exciting season to be a Husky fan. There's a lot to look forward to. I don't see a scenario where this team doesn't at least get to Detroit. And I don't see a, a scenario where this team is not in the top 25. It may not be initially, it may not happen overnight, but through the the trials and tribulations of this season, they'll have more than enough opportunities to prove to not only the AP and the media, but the college football playoff committee that they deserve to be in a 25 in the top 25. Now, the ceiling for this team is, in my eyes, and it's—I mean, they're going to be like, put your pipe down, but this this is what I'm saying. I'm going to put it on record right now for the preview of the season. The ceiling for this NIU team, like I said, is running the table and a New Year's Six Bowl game. Get this program back to an Orange Bowl level game. Now, it's hard to do. It's not going to be easy, but... There's no coach and no quarterback and no culture right now that I would rather have with that task at hand. And I know that's just me shooting the shit and and talking on the podcast. Like I'm, I can only imagine what they've had with those talks in the locker room, like what they realize are their expectations and their goals for this year. Like I said, I haven't been to any of the media sessions or anything. So I'm rolling into this willy nilly, uh, once I, you know, get up to speed and I start getting out to the games and getting to the conference press conferences and all that stuff, we'll get a little bit more insightful. But like I am w- way too optimistic for someone that is not playing on the team. But I truly think with everything that we've seen, the schedule that we have, our ability to battle through adversity and just continue throughout a game to to claw back and build brick by brick to to, to to knock a lead out or to continue to build a lead for our guys. I really do think the sky is the limit in a new year's six bowl game. I would say it would be the 10 year anniversary season wise from the orange bowl would be phenomenal for the program. The amount of money that would get put into the program from making that bowl game would be immense. And it's a great recruiting play. You know, if you, if you're already, already getting, if you're already getting all these kids from Georgia and Florida to come play for you, imagine if you go down and play in one of those New Year Six bowl games. You're going to keep getting higher level recruits. And I'm not saying the kids from the Midwest aren't the best, but the numbers don't lie when you look at states like Georgia, Florida, Texas, all these these different states on what players end up producing at the college and the NFL level. So, ceiling. Undefeated New Year's Six Bowl game, I don't know who they would play, but I I would be willing to bet it's something like last year's game against Coastal Carolina where we're like two touchdown underdogs and we give them the game of a lifetime. I don't think it would be a repeat of the Florida State game in the Orange Bowl, but that is my, like, highest expectation of the team. And, I mean, feel free in the comments of, you know, when I post the show or – or to tweet at us what you have for expectations of the team, but I hold them to the highest standard. And I think they have more than enough ammunition on offense. And, and the defense is hungry as hell to put together a quality season given the circumstances of last year. So I think that is the ceiling. The basement is, we'll say, nine and three. Nine and three is still in the MAC championship still a chance to win the MAC championship and obviously a lesser bowl game, but I don't see them losing many games this season. Obviously football, it's not like baseball where, you know, wilder stuff happens. You know, usually the teams that are expected to win tend to win more often than not football. But I really just, I see them handling the non-conference and then even the conference schedule even better. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but nine and three with a chance to win the MAC still, and then obviously a lesser bowl game. And that's one thing that no matter what the bowl game is this year, I do want to see NIU kibosh that curse and, and win the bowl game and finish off on a, Positive note, it was a little out of our hands last year. You don't ever want to leave the game in the hands of the referee. But, yeah, I I don't want to get going on the Coastal game because I still get, you you know, old man yelling at the clouds about it when people bring it up to me. But with that being said, we will move to the preseason polls. So the MAC obviously does their yearly – Conference with the media members. They bring about two or three players from each team and they all get together for media day. And out of the East, uh, Miami of Ohio was voted as the first place team and the team that would get to Detroit. And out of the West, we were voted the team to win the West and get to Detroit. Now they voted that we would ultimately beat Miami of Ohio in the MAC championship game crowning us back-to-back Mac championship or MAAC, back-to-back Mac champions. And I honestly don't see a scenario where we don't at least get to this game. And I would look forward to traveling to Detroit because it's become my home away from home while covering this team and being a fan of uh, NIU football. But that on top of the odds, uh, I believe I saw they put the odds out for the conference, not The plus 4,000 that it was last year. If you are an out of state listener and you feel confident enough that NIU will win the MAC, they are plus 550, which is like 10 to win 55 or 100 to win 550, if you feel confident like that. So a lot, a lot more people are on our side than we're than there were last year. Uh, If you guys remember, I released a tweet that said, Based, of, based upon the odds last year, we were given a, a 0.2% chance of winning the conference. So anything is possible, especially in this conference. And we'll see it all play out this year, but I do think we have a way better chance of winning the Mac than we don't. So now we will get to the listener questions portion of the show. So we did actually have quite a, uh, a nice little response. Like I said, at the top of the show, we do really appreciate you if you... Uh, We're able to drop a question in the uh, in the chat. Uh, We will be looking to get a live format of the show. The rest of our shows on our network all run on Streamyard, but due to the nature of our show, us doing a lot of interviews on site, uh, whether it's at you know the chestic or at Fatty's, it's a little bit different. But we'll get to we'll also get to Fatty's towards the end because we have great news on that in that regard. But our first listener questions from Eddie Anguino, and he said, Who takes over once Rocky Lombardi is done at NIU? Do we rely on another transfer? From right now, what I've seen is all signs point to Jeff Lomax. I know we haven't seen Jeff Lomax in game situations, but we've seen Dustin Fletcher and we've seen Ethan Hampton. And at least from what I've seen from the way, Coach Hammock has had high praise for Jeff Lomax. I'd like to think he at least has a chance uh, to win the job over when Rocky leaves next year. But right now, I think going into the season, it would either be Jeff Lomax or Ethan Hampton as as QB two. Um, Hopefully Rocky can get through a healthy season and we wouldn't have to resort to that because like I said, the expectations are high. If we have a healthy, if we have a healthy season, you never want to see anybody go down, but if, Things did happen. I, I do have Jeff Lomax stepping in for Rocky this year, and and for next year as well. So that's that's who I would pick. But moving on to the next question, this is from Jeremy, Jeremy, one of the one of our live show attendees. Uh, shout out to see, Jer- or it's good to see Jeremy in the comments again this year. But he said, "How will the twenty twenty two defense compare to last year?" So interesting question. Uh, you lose Lance DeVoe, but you get Kyle Pugh back. Kyle Pugh is like a 10th year senior at this point, but with the medical red shirts, the COVID years and all that, it's warranted. And he gets one last, you know, one last opportunity to run it back with his teammates. And with all due respect to last year's defense, not that they were a horrible unit, but at times they were leaky. There were also times at, at, There were also times where that defense was locked down and they were on their business. One thing I really want to see from this defense in this season, specifically that I think helps their bottom line is the turnover margin. I want to see guys like CJ Brown and Jordan Gandy and Devin Lafayette coming down with interceptions. I want to see guys like Kate Haberman and James Esther in the backfield causing forced fumbles. And even guys like Nick routine and Kyle Pugh causing forced fumbles. I think if we can control the turnover margin, that the defense will almost make a three sixty because that was something that we really didn't do last year. We didn't commit. We didn't. Uh, well, we didn't commit a lot of turnovers on offense, but we also didn't have a lot of turnovers on defense. Teams with positive turnover margins always end up positive win margins towards the end of the season. So it'll be nice to see uh, the improvements that Coach Jackson has for the defense. If you guys remember, I mean, they absolutely shut down Kent State in the in the MAC championship. It was a little different against Coastal Carolina, but this defense is capable of putting together great games. I want to see them put 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 together. I want to see them put together a great season. So we'll see if they're able to improve. But in my eyes, I think there's no way that they're going to get worse. So I think, yes, I do think the defense in 2022 improves. The next question comes from Norman Miller. Norman asked how are they going to involve Crawford more in the passing attacks with the three wide receiver spot with the number 3 wide receiver spot having a new starter there seems to be more opportunities to get the ball to the tight end. So receiver is an interesting position, tight ends an interesting position. I feel both rooms have more than enough ammo to compete. I did see Mohamed Toure did just enter the transfer portal. Uh, So we do lose Muhammad Touré, but you got Trayvon Rudolph, you got Cole Tucker, you got Shamar Thornton. You know, you got guys that can make plays and have made plays at the college football level. Cole Tucker is, I believe, a fifth or sixth year senior. I'm I'm almost positive Thornton's at least a junior, if not a senior. Like, he's not a 19-year-old kid that's transferring over here. And Trayvon Rudolph, I mean, I don't even have to – it goes without being said. Just get Trayvon Rudolph the ball – and the rest will take care of itself. Crawford will have his opportunities to get, you know, looks at the tight end position, but you also have to remember there's quite a few guys ahead of him at that position. You got Miles Joyner, you got Liam Sorahan, you got Tristan Tavis, you got, uh, we, we got the pit transfer. His name's escaping me right now. But if there's one thing I've noticed from Coach Hammock throughout the years is that the best players will play. So, you know, and that's that's not like he looks at the team and, and decides who the best players are week one. The best players in practice that week will have their opportunities in the game come the weekend or come Thursday, Wednesday, whatever it may be. And if Crawford's balling out in, in uh, practice, we saw with his older brother, Daniel, that he was able to get do his thing and and be an integral part of our offense for many years and win quite, you know, he won quite a few football games and a MAC championship. I would love to see the same trajectory. And I'm not going to jump the gun if he's not overly involved in year one. I just hope that he stays the course and doesn't want to transfer out. This one is from BA. Numbers don't lie. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is Mr. McKinnon, Brandon McKinnon's father. I could be wrong, but Mr. Numbers Don't Lie has asked who is emerging in this receivers court, Rudolph, Tucker, um, and I would say Thornton, but so for now, I would say Tucker, Rudolph, and Thornton. I've also seen good reports out of uh, the, the Illinois state transfer Casper uh, Rudowitz, I believe is how you say his name. I, I will give my first official roster and I'll see all the pronunciations for the team, but I've seen good things uh, from Eddie Cariffio reporting uh, in his little threads, his things I would have said at NIU practice if I was allowed to tweet. So uh, shout out to Eddie for putting those up because I, like I said, have not been able to get out to practice. So I'm not the best person to ask, but I would assume the usual guys, Rudolph, Tucker, the addition of Thornton, you're going to see a lot more Miles Joiner this year. Liam, I talked to Liam in the offseason. He is as hungry as can be, and he is really looking to make an impact in this offense as well. So it'll be interesting to see which guys emerge come season time. But you also have to remember, Rocky's a guy that likes to share the wealth and outside of Rudolph, like probably being the number one. The rest is about as good as guess as any, you know. To see who who steps up and gets a majority of those second and third receiver looks. So, I got Rudolph at one, Tucker at two, and Thornton at three is right now, or for right now. But anything could happen, so we'll see what happens. Terry McCarthy with the final question also asked, "How much will the defense improve, and how good can they be?" So, the final question is. Is from Terry McCarthy, they asked how much will the defense improve and how good can they be? I see this defense being somewhere in the 17 to 24 points per game allowed region. I don't see it getting higher than that. I see them improving on their turnovers. I see you know guys like CJ Brown, Lafayette, Gandy coming down with a couple more picks. Jordan, don't forget about Jordan Hansen back there as well. You know, with this defense is by a calendar year really coming into their junior year for most of them. So they really are starting to get the hang of college football. They could be very scary. I think the sky is the limit. I think they could be one of the best units in the Mac. Will they do it? I don't know. But I think, you know, if you, if you know how coach Hammett coaches the team, he wants complimentary football. He wants the defense to play just as good as the offense and just as good as the special teams unit. He wants them all firing on one cylinder. And I think the the lot with the defense having a lot of those same guys coming back this year, I think that they're only going to go up from where they were last year. And that at the very most, the amount of points per game allowed will be 24. And like I said, there will be a lot more turnovers added to the, uh, to the I think it's a turnover bone, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a dog bone. So there was always pictures of like Lance with it last year and it looked pretty badass. So we'll see if they bring back the the bone or the uh the backdrop to take pictures in front of. I know Dylan Thomas had a very photogenic moment a few years back in front of the uh NIU backdrop with the dog bone. So and that's another guy too that the defense loses. So I didn't talk about it earlier in the show, but Dylan actually transferred to Missouri State. Um It's crazy because he announced it after like the day after the bowl game. So I thought it was weird. He he didn't tell me uh, when I saw him out at universal, but it is what it is. Wish him nothing but the best. I think that was a guy that was playing a little bit out of position for the benefit of the team and for the betterment of the team as he's traditionally a corner player from the secondary. So I think he's going back to doing that in Missouri State. He gets to play his last year of college football in his home state, in front of his family. And hopefully we see him play on Sundays because he's a very talented kid. But this team, this defense that, you know, the the guys that they're bringing back, you got Routine and and, uh, Pugh at the second level, Haberman, you got Michael Kennedy, you got James Esther, all the aforementioned players in the secondary. The sky truly is the limit. And I'm really excited to see the growth of this unit this year. Other than that, the rest of the show is just going to be news about the show and a couple personal news things for me, but this year we will have the live show back. We're going to be back at Fatty's. shows are going to be on Tuesday night. It's going to be a little bit of a different twist. So this year, um, after I met with Fatty's, I met with Rocky and we, we all came to the decision that for this year's show, Uh, At least the live portion of it, it'll still be released on this channel, but the live portion of the show will be rebranded as the Rocky Lombardi show. And Rocky's going to join me for each of the seven weeks for 15 minutes to start the show to give us an inside look at, you know, what went on that prior week and and what's going to be going on into the next week of preparation. But to my knowledge, uh, this is the first show of its kind where in this NIL era, a quarterback has his own weekly podcast where he's able to come on and talk about the show. Uh, I can promise you it will be way less controversial than the Draymond Green podcast, but uh, this is like the cool, one of the coolest opportunities that I've ever had put in front of me and for Rocky to be on board and, and to come on each week. I mean, last year he did, I mean, he did a lot of the press conferences and the post interviews with me, but he also came out and did quite a few live shows. It means a lot. And I think something that has really been formed since Rocky got to this team is that sense of community and that sense of, you know, brotherhood on the team. And, and I feel, you know, like I said, for his birthday, you know, Rocky's a close friend of mine. He's a great football player. He knows what he's talking about when he chops it up with the X's and O's. Now I get to talk football with him once a week throughout half the season. So that's an opportunity that I'm definitely not going to get or that I'm definitely not going to take for granted. I look forward to picking his brain and, and seeing where he's at on each game. But like I said, that won't be it. So the first 15 minutes of the show will always be just me and Rocky. And then depending on what players are on the NIL roster for fatties this year, There will be different player interviews week in and week out. Maybe there will be some repeats. Like I could assume there will probably be some O-line guys on there. Probably Liam will be back, I'm sure. But I have no knowledge uh, to who those guys are yet as that, you know, those guys all haven't been signed yet. So when the show dates come closer, we'll have, you know, show promo posts and, and tweets out so you'll know who will be there that week. But always count on Rocky being there unless something comes up in his personal schedule. So that is the first, um, I guess you would say big portion of the news that will be happening for us this year. We're still looking to uh, come to as many games as we can. Obviously I still live in Decalb, So all the home games I'm still looking to get to barring anything crazy in my personal life, but The first week of the season, I know, is going to be a wild week for me. I got, you know, NIU Thursday night, the NIU Eastern Illinois game. And Friday, September 2nd, I have my play by play broadcasting debut on the radio. High school football, Byron versus Winnebago. Uh, The opportunity literally just presented itself to me this morning. Uh, It's not like uh, I'm going to be doing it for the whole season, but. The person that normally does the game is out of town. So somehow through the grapevine, they got my number. They asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, absolutely. So I don't know if we have anybody that lives out in that area uh, in Byron or in Winnebago. I haven't even looked on the schedule to see where the game is yet. I'm very excited. But I will be on the radio station 1023 for the broadcast. I have more news about that as it comes out but as the little you know the little six-year-old kid that used to wake up and watch sports center growing up you know i may not have gotten the best job or you know full-time job because i do love my job with the king county cougars but i don't have that that job that really says hey i made it yet i'm getting there and uh to be able to call my first play-by-play game on the radio is something that, like, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about. So if you're able to tune into that, I uh, more, more details and more information about that as, as the date gets closer. But, um, yeah, phenomenal news on my end. Like I said, I'll, I'm looking to still be credentialed here at NIU. Uh, I haven't been able to get out uh, to any of the stuff yet this year. But as baseball season comes to a close, I don't have to be at two different places at two different times. I will have more availability for football and I will be asking the tough questions that we need the answers to. But other than that, I don't really have any other, uh, huge news. Um, if I don't end up being credentialed to the Vanderbilt game, I'll look to have a tailgate for that week. And yes, we will be on the, uh, I'm the graduate side. Now I'm no longer uh, wanted out there on the student side. So we'll be on the, the front side of the stadium, getting after it, drinking some beers and tossing the football around, but a lot of big stuff on the horizon for this podcast and for myself, for this team. I really look forward to covering it for you guys. And I really look forward to being that voice and that liaison so that you guys know what's going on with NIU football. But again, this was Huskies on Tap presented to you by Fatty's Pub and Grill and brought to you by Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at PDon300 and you can follow our main account at Huskies on Tap. We'll be back to you guys soon. We really do appreciate you for listening and go Huskies. I got drink on living left in the kitchen whipping magic. I got drink on living left in the kitchen with magic. London on the track. Sharp, sharp! I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the hard away. 12 so put me overcoming with it. They took my heart away. Hard away. Hard away. Heart away. Jump in it hard away.